Hello everybody and welcome to Letterbox Book Club. I'm Mackenzie. And I'm Claire. And today we will be doing, discussing uh, Tempted, which is the millionth book in the House of Lords. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's number six. Yeah, it's number six. Yeah, number six. Um, yeah, and what you guys don't know is that Claire has been away. <laughs> but yeah. you guys don't notice that, so <laughs> holiday brain. Like it's gonna be a, qu- it's gonna be quite the day discussing this <laughs> book. I'll be, I won't know what's going on until I start talking. If we are relaxed and refreshed, but are we though? I'm not. <laughs> I've been stressed, dude. <laughs> I need a holiday for my holiday. Yeah, especially now. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. But yes, we're officially halfway through the series, I guess. Six books yeah, out of yes. 12, if we're not yes. counting novellas. I'm but not doing yeah. the novellas. Nah. But yeah, it's still a long road to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we're halfway there. Things are kicking off. I'm excited. Yes. Whoa, we're halfway there. Yes. Living on Nixon's prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Okay. Thank you. Um, I will start us off with the blurby blurb. Sorry, I'm in a silly, goofy mood. <laughs> It's okay. We love that. I can never leave you in peace. You and I are bound. We'll be each other's salvation or each other's doom. He took a step closer and I mirrored his movement by taking a step back. Which shall it be? Salvation or doom? Zoe Redbird, now High Priestess of the Shattered House of Night, is doing her best to hold everything together while dealing with her beloved injured grandmother, her moody boyfriend, and her secretive best friend, Oh, and the aftermath of the victory of her former mentor and a terrible, beautiful, dark angel. But Nefret and Kelowna have only been banished, not defeated, and everyone knows they're heading straight for the Vampire High Council, where Zoe must follow. Zoe might be a high priestess, but she's still just a teenager, and she's the only hope the world has. So, thoughts, feelings, emotions, Kenzie? Straight off the bat? Um... (laughs) No thoughts. <laughs> Head empty. No thoughts. Um, no. I can't continue to start off each book with like, well, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, um, fair enough. It's a book. The thing about this book is that it feels like a book. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think there's a definite, oh, maybe, yeah, in this one, there's a bit of a tonal shift um, because I think the stakes are a bit higher now. Um, in terms of the war against humans or um, what's to come with Kelowna and Nefret. Um, and we're also leaving Tulsa. We're not stuck in the little world that they've created. So it's a uh, very real world um, vibes. Uh, I have a couple of qualms coming up, but related to uh, going outside their own world. But yeah, I mean, it's a book. It's number six. There's a whole lot of other books. It's still very much we're trugging along. Here's some more content and some more uh, situations that you have to figure your way out of. But there is a shocking twist at the end, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. With the twist at the end. Yeah. Um, for me, I felt a sense of like rejuvenation from this book just because I don't know. I think it's just the um, we get extra point of views now. We get point of views from different yeah. character- characters, and it's adding a little bit more depth and layers to each character that we're uh, viewing the narrative from. And I don't know. Yeah. I just yeah, I just felt a sense of like rejuvenation, and it's a bit more refreshing because you know we we talk about you know Zoe's the chosen one. This is her story. It's about her. But now you know we're getting yeah views and how every other character is feeling from their point of views. And I don't know. I just loved it. It was just refreshing and just a little bit different. Yes, I yes Jewel Pobs, but I enjoy Jewel point of views or like a multiple point of views when they're. I don't know, they're, they're all on the same path going to the same directive. Like, in right, this one, yep. because it's Zoe and it's Stevie Ray, they're very different scenarios. Different journeys. And, yeah, different journeys. And Stevie Ray's just feels like, here's something else that we're going to throw at her. Like, let's see how she figures this one out. Right. Also, I'm a big fat liar. Um, I think I said in the previous book... That we find out that uh, Nefret killed 
Lauren, but I think it's in this one that we find out that Nefric killed Lauren Blake. Yeah. And we also, yeah, have Aphrodite's revelation of, I was only with Eric because he was popular and I wanted to be popular. But, yeah, Aphrodite being that, like, mean girl, like, is that vibe, though. Mm. So, we've been new. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I found that the, um yeah, dual point of views, especially between, like, Stevie Ray and Zoe is, like, because, you know, in the earlier books, you know, it was always, oh, we left Stevie Ray to her own devices. Like, who cares what she's doing? But now we get an insight as to what her responsibilities are, how she's feeling as, like, a red high priestess and all the things that, you know, she's contributing to this uh, resolution. Um, mm. So I found that quite interesting. But yes, but sometimes, especially in the next book, like, there's a lot of p- point of views, which is fair enough, because a, a lot more is going on in the next book, and we'll obviously get to that when we get to that. Yeah. But yeah, it's just very... um. Oh, it's just nice to see what everyone else is up to. I feel like in every book, there's a conflict and then it gets resolved. It's like conflict, resolve, conflict, resolve, conflict, resolve. Whereas why don't you just use these books as a way of building to the main conflict? And just, I again, because they are the only other big series that I've read, like uh, Akatar and Throne of Glass, where they have, yeah, these smaller conflicts but they're all building up to the main big war. Mm. So, yeah. I just feel very lacklustre in that you're giving me these things, but I know that by the end of the book they're going to be resolved, so why bother giving me all these different situations? <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Alrighty, I suppose we shall kick on into the plot a little bit. Yes. <laughs> Kelowna and Nefret are banished. Yep. Goodbye, res- see you later. House of Tulsa is relatively saved. We love that for them. But they're still huddled in the um, in the abbey, just chilling, making sure everything is properly safe. I think they spend like a couple of nights in the abbey just because they're all a bit nervous and a bit anxious about whether or not Kelowna and Nefret are actually gone and whether or not the raven mockers are actually gone as well. Mm. Um, and I think we forgot to mention it in the other book, but it's all right. It's, oh, it's actually kind of significant. But like, it's all right, we're idiots. Um, <laughs> Darius, yeah, shot a raven mocker down and it turned out to be like Rafim. And then yeah. obviously he plays a significant, relatively significant part in this book as well. And also probably the books to come. But yeah, so they just do like stock standard, you know, after battle type of stuff. Like they tend to their wounded, they do perimeter checks and all that type of stuff. And Stevie Ray stumbles upon an injured Rafim. Mm-hmm. And this is awkward because everyone hates Rafim. And <laughs> it is later learned that he killed Dragon's wife, Anastasia. <laughs> Yes. Um, so you were right about that. You, you said Anastasia did die earlier on. So <laughs> correct. See, this, and again, this is the thing because there's so many things happening. I'm getting very confused and I can't follow along. It's almost hard to really differ- have moments that really differentiate between each book. Yeah, and each death. And it's like. Yeah. Not that this I mean, death is important. Because they're just killing off all the professors. Um, and it's like. It would hit harder if you made us... Sorry, my camera's funny. Um, it would hit harder if you really made us fall in love with, say, one or two um, professors and you fleshed out their backstories and then um, you killed, like, one of them off. But I think the novellas, there's, like, one on Nefret, one on Dragon, one on Anastasia. Uh, Lenobia. Yeah, Lenobia. Yeah, there's one on Lenobia. Anyway... It gives me an indication I, that they're very important <laughs> leading forward. I know, but it does, but it's like, I understand that you have those novellas, but they also came after, and also, why not flesh them out in the main series anyway? That's fair, yeah. I feel like, um, I know we're probably going to talk about it maybe a little bit more, but Lenobia definitely has a much more significant role in this book moving forward, so I feel like in a way that's also fleshing her out. But yes, but I suppose, you know, at the end of the day, it's still a House of Night school. There has to be some teachers alive. Someone has to yeah. be in charge, like the principal. Well, that's why I said just kill like one or two of them. Yeah. And they, they, they did that. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Nolan, But like, I, don't, I didn't care because you didn't flesh them out for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, to be fair, I didn't care about <laughs> Professor Nolan and Lauren was just weird. <laughs> yeah. And Lauren, yeah, was, yeah. But yeah, Steve, back to Stevie Ray and Rafim. Like, as soon as she saved his life and, you know, starts to look, kind of tend to him and tend to his wounds and, like, almost have, like, a sort of friendship with him, I'm like, this is enemies to lovers. I love it already. Give it to me. I don't know. It just seems a much more, like, real and authentic relationship than, like, with compared to Zoe and, like, her having, like, Heath and Eric and 
uh, Stark and I guess Kelowna in a sense. Yeah. So, yeah I, I don't know. I really enjoyed even moving forward the storyline slash love story of Stevie Ray and Rafim. But obviously, we'll talk about that more extensively as the relationship ish progresses. Yes. So yeah, everyone's kind of safe. All right. Grandma Redbird is kind of hanging on. I guess she's all right. <laughs> Mustered all her strength as part of like the modern yes. gear women to like send him away clone her away yes it's all it's all good let's talk about sorry grandma all right well, i'm scared what you're gonna say i i enjoy her character i enjoy that it's uh here's this guiding light here's the mother figure that you need but let's stop putting her in mortal peril <laughs> <laughs> okay and again she just feels like a device to be like here's the information dump of uh uh native american stuff that you need to know that's yeah kind of relevant and ties into the actual like vampiric history of everything yeah like uh, yeah again why not make all this cologne because cologne is this big bad and he's been around and blah blah like why not make that part of their curriculum yeah, see, that's that's a qualm, qualm I also have. Yeah. Like, we first learn of Kelowna as a, it was an ancient Cherokee legend, myth. Yeah. But then obviously later on in this book, we learned that Kelowna was an actual consort to Nyx and that, you know, causes other inner conflicts with Zoe because, oh, well, he was on our side once upon a time. Yeah. And then like, but like no one else really knew about it. Because yeah, wouldn't that not be part of the history? Yes, Nyx, our great goddess, had a consort. Uh-huh. He betrayed her. She banished him. Is that not a significant tale to tell? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, look, that p- pissed me off a little bit. I'm like, they should, th- there should be, yeah, history or a history class on it. People should be aware of it. Well, maybe yeah. more so as an adult vampire, perhaps. But like, when you're a 16 year old, like, and when you've just been marked, everything else is considerably overwhelming. But of course, in like the sociolo- sociology class that they all reference every bloody book. Like, yeah. something surely could have come up. Yeah, the amount of times they reference, like, oh, in Sociology 101 or whatever. Yeah. And then even when they moved Zoe, I think she moved up to, like, 103 or something. And, like, it, it, you can't brush it off as, like, oh, well, they hadn't got to that yet or whatever. Because, like, Zoe just went in the middle of term and they're like, well, catch up. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just, like, just general plot inconsistencies with that. But, yeah, I'm just annoyed that the whole Kelowna thing started off as, like, yeah, like an ancient... um Cherokee legend which of which Zoe you know that's her heritage though she might not be have been aware of it but it's like her problem her people her spirituality is at stake but no it turns out it's actually tied into her whole new vampiric world and stupid how they somehow had no inkling that that ever existed yes and I sorry I just like as well again and I will continue saying this how like I think we did like three three books no Kelowna and then yeah. suddenly oh he's here and he's the worst person ever well actually yeah. Nefret's the worst person ever but he's here yeah he's also bad yeah yeah I get that but what I was just gonna say real quick perhaps in terms of Nix's history and Nix's um life or whatever that this was kind of like a blemish on her history mm. and it's something that she wants to forget or have been but forgotten but again or not that could about. have been a relevant uh class of sure yeah our nix is beauty and powerful and amazing but you know what she makes mistakes as well and yeah. that could have made zoe feel better about having three boyfriends exactly because yeah because yeah he was the consort colonel was the was a consort or oh, no the warrior sorry he was a warrior to a warrior um because yeah now we have we have uh, high priestesses are allowed consorts and warrior oaths they're very sacred oaths and all that type of stuff and yeah of course yeah zoe could feel better about that because she felt really guilty of having like three men kind of interested in her in almost very different ways although the most um they they all oh, i suppose they all feel like a sense of love towards her though in very different ways and yeah that zoe would have definitely felt a lot better about that but i think in the last book or even the book before uh, Eric does say, like, oh, he was pissy about it, but yeah, like, pride priestesses can have almost as many of these types of subjects as she wants. A fun thing that happened in this book, I'm going to talk out of order because I just don't care. <laughs> I just got, got holy to rain. I just want to say what I want to say and then leave, you know? And then leave. <laughs> <laughs> Eric and Zoe break up again. We love that. Yeah, I was going to say that. 
I think they bring up this is the final time. Yeah, this is the final time. Yeah, Thank so it God. takes Zoe back from three boyfriends to two. I mean, I'm counting Kelowna because, you know, he's, he's being... Okay, sorry, from it. four boyfriends to three. <laughs> to think one book ago she had zero. Mm. <laughs> Poor girl. Uh, we joke, but like, yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, but my only annoying thing about Eric is like, so yeah, they kind of reconcile at the Abbey because, you know, they have a little bit of time where they're, again, a bit anxious. They're just trying to calm everything down, figure out what to do now. And yeah, they reconcile. Or do they go to the depot again at some point? I don't even remember. But yeah, they reconcile somewhere. And then like he instantly becomes possessive again over her. And like he's again jealous of Heath. I know. And again, it's such a stark departure to who he was. Yeah. And it's like, I don't get it. Like, And this is what happens, sorry, when you don't take the time to flesh out your characters and give them proper backstory and growth and character development. Growth and character development are the same things, I'm sorry. Um, and then, yeah, they turn into these sniveling little Play-Doh people. Yeah, it's like, I'm with you, I love you, um, we break up, oh, I hate you, you're a bitch. Which yeah. is pretty much what Eric is. Like, as soon as they break up, he gets all pissy. And, you know, he really is really nasty towards her and he kind of turns against her straight away. It's like, that's just not, not cool. Yeah, that's not on, fam. And he gets all, like, slut-shamey and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think he might have called her a whore or something as well. Yeah. Like, god damn. But I think maybe as the authors were writing and they were kind of fleshing out Stark and I don't know if they've had... Or if they're, like, writing on the fly or if they have, like, a post-it board with, like, everything they want out of each character. But maybe they kind of wrote Stark... And because he's a, no pun intended, a stark contrast to Eric in that sense. (laughs) You know, he's not really jealous of Heath. He understands Heath's role in Zoe's life. And he might not, deep down, obviously don't like it. Because at the end of the day, they all kind of want Zoe for themselves, let's be honest. But, you know, he respects it. And then Eric's just, like, a real bitch about it. So I wonder, yeah, if they were writing Stark to be this, like, um, refreshing Yeah, and then it was like... Oh well, we if she's gonna have like three boyfriends, like we need them to like dislike one of them or yeah. whatever, so yeah. that it doesn't seem that bad that this other guy's coming in. Yeah, but then um, obviously yeah, Stark is involved, and then like Eric doesn't like that as well, and then now Eric's fucked off, and then Stark respects Heath and all that. So yeah, there must. I wonder if it was like pre-planned that Stark is gonna be like, kind of take a high road, or be yeah. or be this different compared to Eric. Because, yeah, so far, Eric is, uh, Stark is so much better than Eric, despite everything he's done, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All the bad shit he's done. And, yeah, he's younger than Eric as well, so. Oh, yeah, close to Zoe's age, I think, as well. Yeah, for sure. And also, Heath has quite an involvement in this book as well. He ventures off with everybody to the House of Night, ventures off to Venice when they need to go. It's fantastic. Yeah, so let's quickly talk about this before we get into Let's explain this, this, how they get into Venice or whatever, before we get too far ahead of ourselves. Don't worry, again, I'm out of order. (laughs) I don't don't care right now. That's okay. Um, So, yeah, so Kelowna and Nefra have been uh, banished. Um, And then this is one of the qualms I have. They're like, oh, no, like, where would they have got? Um, Sorry, because... um, Zoe's grandma tells Zoe, oh, you're Aya reincarnate. And Aya was Kelowna's ex-lover. That was a whole thing. So she's like, so you will like never be able to fully let him go. And it's just like, she's already super special and marked early and stuff and already has his belt. Why does she also have to be? And again, it's this thing of let's intertwine these, I think, made up uh, Native American uh, stories. Yeah into this vampire culture like why couldn't it have just been like oh you're like maybe yeah nix and this other person fought over Kelowna or whatever i don't know they could have made another goddess up and it's like mm. you're her reincarnate yeah or they could have like made that whole like the Kelowna myth and vampire myth kind of like or maybe it is like that, kind of how, like, with the religion, with Sister Mary, how, like, you know, the Virgin Mary is just Nyx in a different interpretation, whereas yeah. this, with the colonial thing, could have been just, like, a different interpretation to, like, the Native American culture. Yeah. But, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, Zoe, the chosen one, everything has to happen to her. Yeah. And now, leading forward, Stevie Ray is entering that almost similar kind of parallel journey as well. I, I have a, sorry, I have a quick theory. I reckon, like, 
I know Nyx as a goddess and as a being is like perhaps in the in like her like other world place like she's like a tangible being entity right but I still have a theory that in the end maybe Zoe is going to be like a real life incarnate of Nyx I feel like she's heading in that direction as much as Nefret I mean it's just I feel like it makes sense like you know the light dark good evil Nefret evil Zoe good you know I feel like it's leading to that point perhaps in the future but I just came to that realization after like reading the the next book but like we'll get to that as well but also just just quickly I just want to talk about there's like a significant motif throughout this book as well and it's around the the idea of choice although each choice is between like just the similar um thing like whether it's you choose light or like good or evil you choose light or darkness and, and, you know, just exemplifies in many different ways for different characters and different situations. And I think that was just pretty cool. Yeah, nice. Because everyone like had, that. like, a different reason. Because, like, we see Stevie Ray struggling, like, in her chapters. You know, she's trying to convince herself to stay good because good is the right yeah. thing to do. And, like, even with Rafim, like, he is in inherently dark, like, evil, darkness, whatever. But he's now, you know, he's seeing Stevie Ray's actions and he's like, oh, well, maybe good and all that isn't so bad and then how ultimately you know even when Kelowna left the school like there are students and teachers who like now that that bad influence is gone they still choose to be like bad or evil or choose like darkness or people you know stay choosing good and light and all that stuff I know and why does it always have to be uh black and white why couldn't it be like a gray area I mean would you would you argue like Stevie Ray was kind of like the gray area she's been so, as a f- fresh fledgling in the house of night. Yeah, but why can't that be, yeah, an established thing? Like, you can be really into Nyx or really into Kelowna. Well, here's um, my thing. <laughs> I've been waiting for this one. <laughs> like, I suppose in the house of night and, like, Nyx's world, like, good or, like, light is, like, in- the inherent standard. Mm. And until Kelowna came along, they then had a choice when he left so yeah. really, did they, in the beginning, being a part of, like, Nyx's world, the vampire world, did you have a choice of being good or bad, but when good True. was the standard? And then when Cologne, but then, like, when Colonel came along, like, it tilted the board, you know, everyone well, mostly turned evil. So, like, you yeah. can say the same thing about that, but then when he left, you know, the choice was hanging there between the good and evil, you've had a taste of both, and then people choose what they truly desire. So like, Claire out here <laughs> dropping facts. I've been, I've been thinking about that all week. I was on my holiday as well. Like I was thinking about this before my holiday, and I'm hoping how am I going to articulate this? How am I going to bring it up? Because like, but then is that even a good thing? That like, good. Obviously, we know as a morality standpoint, doing good, being nice, all that type of stuff is like morally fantastic and good, and that's what we should all strive to achieve. But yeah. like, is it really in terms of choice? If that's the standard, do you even have a choice to think of other things or other moral behaviours? Yeah, true. But yeah, anyway, I've been waiting for that one. <laughs> I've been waiting for and, this one. And, and I had to, it up. had to bring it up so I can say it so I don't forget it. <laughs> but yeah, so. You know, yeah, interesting, interesting. And then, yeah, when Kelowna left and they talk about all the students that are injured and stuff, and they're like, I didn't see through Kelowna's like, Im- um, illusion because of XYZ reason. Yeah. Like, it's pretty cool. And then others, like, just really didn't give a shit. So it was interesting. And I suppose as a general motif and theme, it's still quite significant leading forward into the next book as well. And then, yeah, I've got a point in the next one uh, relating to that anyway. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing it. I'm happy to shut up now. <laughs> That's okay. Back to the plot. Um, Stark pledges his warrior's oath to Zoe, so he yes. is a warrior now. Um, that's cool. That's significant. Fun. Very good. Yeah, cool. I mean, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, what's her name? Zoe keeps having dreams of Kelowna. Oh yeah, and that's right. She has dreams. visions that are linking several elements from the dream. Um, then there's also another prophetic poem from Krishima Kremisha. Kremisha, I've got it here. Found it. Um, anyway, and then, so, it's just about, like, Kelowna and Nefret planning on getting back to the old ways of how the vampires were. Um, 
And so they're like, hmm, how interesting. We need to find Kelowna and Nefret to see where they are. How do we do this? And you know what I would have liked to have seen? Some sort of like a vampiric, like a tracking ritual or whatever. Mm. And like Zoe could have like used her blood or whatever to do like a, a little thing. Because um, she is in know, a way connected to Kelowna. Because she's connected to Kelowna. You know how they did it? The rumours on Twitter. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Jack and his social media. I just, like, and this is the qualm is that, that I have. Like, I just, it's a cop-out. It's a cop-out. And, like, I'm sure it was in the time of when, like, like again, it's like the IMAX thing. Like, it's so <laughs> specifically IMAX. Like, not just let's go to the movies. It's like, let's go to the IMAX. It's, and it's now like this one. without the Yeah, actual. and now this one, like, Twitter yeah, it's like it must have been when Twitter was just coming about or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they figure out that they are um, in Venice on the um, Isle of San Clement mm-hmm. um, and they're going to the Vampire Council. Because, again, to refresh everyone's memory, Nefrit claims to be Nick's reincarnate and Kalina is Erebus the consort. But yeah, that's that's my qualm. I almost forgot about that. Oh my god! Yeah, that was so. Yeah. I was, it was cringeworthy. I was it's like, cringeworthy. Really? Yeah. Like, is that how you're gonna reveal? Like yes. surely, like another poem from Karishma, or even like, maybe even a vision from Aphrodite, or something, or even yeah, yeah. as you said, like a blood tracking thing, or maybe yeah. even just like a soul sense from Zoe. Yeah. Like um, I forget what it's called, but they always used to do it in Charmed, where they had like. They're like crystal on a necklace, oh, and they would yeah. put it over yep. a map. Yeah, yeah, like that would have been cool if they'd done that with like a drop of like, like Zoe's pen- blood like or something as well. Yeah, yeah, like a pendulum thing, um, oh. scrying, scrying. Oh, yes. that's what they do. Yeah, so it would have been cool if they'd done that with like Zoe's blood or something. Yeah. Damn, you should write a book, Kenzie. That sounds. So I should write a book. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, and so then Zoe has like another vision, and it's like um, if Zoe is. With Kelowna, the world as they know it will end. Um, but if she chooses love and Nyx, he will die and the world will be saved. But Zoe knows that she can't truly reject him because a part of her loves him and she thinks that she can uh, save him because she's not like other girls. I can fix him. I can fix him. She can fix him. She can fix him. Um, yeah, and so Kelowna's like coming to her in dreams. And so um, Kelowna shows her his past as Nyx's warrior and it's like, I'll be good, like, I'll turn to your side if you, like, let me have you. And in these dreams, they, like, have, like, a um, an agreement to, like, not lie to each other as well. Yeah. Although Kelowna is very good at manipulating his words. So, like, the truth is there, but he's still being manipulative about it. Yes. Um, but, yeah, again, this is where we learned that, yeah, Kelowna was a warrior to Nyx. And I forget what he actually did. Unless he just she just rejected his like out lo- outright love and all that stuff and then I was... think something like that I can't remember I, yeah I forget but yeah he gets banished from her like palace and her yeah. life and all that stuff and then that's why he gets angry and he's on his war path and I suppose in a way that entwines with the Cherokee myth of him you know like raping and pillaging people and his hatred towards women which makes yes. sense but then yeah it's when myth and the you know the myth. The myth of the Cherokee people and, like, just the god mythology, you know, we thought it was going to be separate, but... I, I, yeah, I just... There's things I can't get past. And again, <laughs> with the whole choice thing, like, Zoe was... I feel like she was feeling it with the um, dreams and as well. Like, she was becoming convinced. Like, she was willing to almost accept that she was Aya. Mm. And, but then again, the, the choice of, like... The choice of, I guess, saving the world outweighed what her, like, I guess desires were i don't know yeah almost flicking the switch as well Mm. perhaps we can take a pause as they're going to venice because back at the house of night real quick stevie ray's again is up to some good before sorry before we get to that part um i love it sorry we are bouncing around i just want to get this part um so they're all like we need to go to venice uh to stop this and then stevie ray's like i need to stay behind because someone needs to be in charge here and i'm also the high priestess of the red fledglings so blah blah anyway but um heath is like babe, you can't leave me. I am imprinted to you. And like, what am I to do if you are in Venice? And lucky for everyone, it's like spring break. <laughs> yeah, how convenient. 
Yeah, and he's like, I'll just ask my, me, a 17-year-old, I will just ask my parents if I can go to Venice with my vampire girlfriend and to her friends. It'll be chill. Vampire High Council. Yeah, to visit the Vampire Council. It's chill. And his parents say yes, so Heath is going I think, to Venice. I think they described it as... Because I think there was a trip that it was meant to go on, but he couldn't. And he's like, this will replace that trip. I yeah, think they went yeah. to a trip to Spain that got cancelled or something. Yeah. And he's like, this is like that, but it's with the vampires. And I'm like, cool. Bye-bye. Yeah. See you soon. Bye-bye. Have fun, son. <laughs> See you when you're returned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so now to Stevie Ray. Yeah, just Stevie Ray's journey, I guess, a little bit. Not only is she trying to, like, keep Rafim alive and, like, they're developing a sort of, like, friendship. Obviously, Rafim is a little bit upset because his father left me behind. Daddy left me behind. Yeah. He'll come back for me. No, he won't. Um, <laughs> no, he won't. But, yeah, Stevie Ray heals him and she's been a bit jittery because throughout the past couple of books, she's been keeping something from Zoe. Something quite significant, which I kind of lost that kind of storyline a little bit just because like everything else is like taken a front hold but it turns out there are some evil uh red fledglings <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is like going on now back in the depot so stevie ray has to kind of deal with that she is quite convinced that she's able to kind of change their humanity and change their minds you know become light to good what yeah light, and also yeah especially with her like earth affinity because like she's literally like grounded in earth For and sure. then she's like be good <laughs> yeah be good or else but yeah i don't know something happens i kind of forget and oh no stevie ray convinces rafim to head to the depot because he'll be safer there because no one will be able to spot him but he has to try and avoid these red fledglings which obviously he doesn't they encounter him and they kind of like uh torture him a little bit and try and get information out of him and then they realize oh he must have a thing for stevie ray because he's nice about her or something but in this sort of uh uh, chapters uh Rafim is seeing that the leader of this evil red fledgling group Nicole she's got similar kind of mannerisms as Nefret in a way so we feel like Nefret is projecting herself onto this fledgling in order to probably keep an eye on them because obviously before everything Nefret was the one who was in control of these fledglings yes. so she had that sort of control and relationship over them so that's not good and so the, those evil red fledglings have a plan to try and kill Stevie Ray because, you know, they hate being told kind of what to do. They hate this this moral angel being like, um, you have but to be good. But also, and again, another cool arm that I have. Um, <laughs> Stevie Ray was made, created pretty late in the game. I know, I know. And so, like, why is it now that they're rebelling? It's like, why weren't you rebelling from the start? Or, like, yeah, why weren't you out attacking people from the start? Yeah, I don't know. And, like, where were they? Where were they? Honestly, yeah. Just hiding in the depot. Like, where were they? Because, yeah, we... Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, leader Nicole, and I think there's, like, Curtis and maybe somebody else who are, you know, have a lot more influence in the next books and stuff. Yeah, they come up with a plan to kill Stevie Ray, which was lead her up to the top of the tower or something into sunlight yeah. and then, like, capture her. So that's fun. And, like, so they, she's up there. She's burning. <laughs> yeah, and then... Yeah, but they also manipulate Rafim to be up there because, like, they sense something between them. And yeah, he, but he convinces them that he's doing this for his own kind of good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's a little pawn in this game. So he's up there. They lure Stevie Ray up there. She gets trapped. She's burning. She's on fire. Rafim helps her escape, covering her with his wings and all that type of stuff. And they hide in a little earth hole for a while. Once, once they get to earth. Cause, oh yeah, the point is to get her to the top of the tower. That way she can't manipulate earth to protect her. But while that's happening, Aphrodite as like stevie ray was burning because aphrodite and stevie ray were still imprinted aphrodite was able to feel this sense of pain and everything and oh it was just such a hard kind of thing to like read i don't know it's quite tra- it's quite stressful and a bit traumatic because like very poor, traumatic it's like poor aphrodite because no one knows what the fuck's going on they think she's having a nasty vision yeah but no and then as a way to also save stevie ray rafim gives her some of his blood and thus the imprints with Aphrodite and Stevie Ray break and the imprint of Stevie Ray and Rafim begins. Begins, yes. Enemies to lovers. Which I didn't realise that this was like a cross-species thing. I suppose in a way he is part human. So there's that susceptibility. But he's also, because I still can't picture, hang on, I'm going to look up what raven mockers are meant to look like. Half bird, half human. I know, but I don't understand. (laughs) It's, I think it's just 
hey, in the in the next book, like there'll be, it'll enlighten you. Trust me. Okay, now I understand. I guess, but the, okay, these ones just have them as really attractive men with wings. With wings. Yeah, but he like he has a beak and like his yeah, tone I of he has, voice. Yeah, I thought he had a bird face. Yeah, well, yeah, he has a bit of a beak and like his tone of voice can change, like really slither on the S and all that type of stuff when he wants to. But I suppose Stevie Ray brings out the human in him. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> sure. Sure. Why not? But yeah, I think it's just because yeah, the half human, half Raymond Mockers, um, again produced through you know evil, violent, and like rape and that type of stuff. Like that's their mm. kind of um, consequence for how they were produced. Yeah, it's like don't rape, otherwise you'll, you'll end up like me. Like a bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's the worst possible thing you could yeah, yeah come out of. But yeah, um, I think it's more just like they're more of like a disgusting sort of like wrong yeah. creature wrong thing as is described in the book everything that's like bad is always described as like disgusting and wrong and so that's kind of what he is he exemplifies so as a beat as a wrong beast disgusting beast very a la beauty and the beast style you know what i mean very, or beastly or just, or just beastly yeah true yeah. true but yes yeah true yeah i guess like yeah you committed these atrocities against humans so now humans won't want to look at you yeah exactly exactly and I'm going to go a little bit ahead, but even in the next book, you know, like, Stevie Ray and Rafim kind of, like, hold hands and stuff, and it's like, he's like, you're not repulsed by me? Type yeah, of true. Thing. And she's so, like, no. no. <laughs> Why would I? She's like, I love your bird beak. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Please, put it all over me. <laughs> It'd be dangerous if... No, I'm not going to go there. No worry. No worry. No, no. If he tried to eat her out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, like, the beak up in there. Or the tongue. The, 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 the forked tongue. Oh. I mean, the forked tongue might be a fun time. Yeah, yeah come in handy. <laughs> Multitask. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Moving on. But yeah, so that's what Stevie Ray had to deal with. Her imprint with Aphrodite is now broken. Though when it happened, like Aphrodite is kind of like, what the hell? Not in the fact that um, she's not happy to have separated the imprint, but like, because no one knew what Stevie Ray was doing, and obviously here on out, Stevie Ray, Stevie Ray is lying out of her ass, trying to explain to them like how the imprint broke. Because as far as we know, you, to imprint, to break an imprint, you got to imprint with somebody else. Yeah, they're probably like, what is happening back yeah, what, at the House of Nut? <laughs> exactly. What is going on in the House of Commons? <laughs> yes. Um, and obviously back at the school, like Lenobi is in charge. We see more of her. And her convert talking to like Stevie Ray about making plans and all that type of stuff, and how she wants to integrate the Red Fledglings back into the school, which is fantastic. And Dragon is there; he's obviously still very upset and mourning because he lost his wife, which is fair enough. Yes, and this is where we also find found out that Rafim himself killed Anastasia. Yes, which is um not a fun time. Not a fun time, and this is where we get a little bit conflicted with with Rafim because it's yes. like he killed somebody, and it's like I forget. Because cause when Kelowna and that left to find uh, Zoe and all that at the Abbey, like, it was more of a standoff between, like, the House of Night and the Ravenmockers. So there was no real call to attack, but Rafim seemed to just kind of kill her out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. He was just like, lol, see ya. Yeah, bye-bye. Here's for, here's a plot device f- to carry forward. But then I I hope it kind of comes up in I the I can future. forgive murder, though. <laughs> you can forgive murder. <laughs> Yep, yep. Especially if it's like a hot raven mocker guy. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, and that's all that r- there really was to it back at the House of Night. But yeah, and we also get a glimpse of Rafim's like chapters and his feelings of anguish, like you know, how dare my father leave me? And like his conflicting feelings, like why am I feeling this way towards this red fledgling, like this red one? Oh, I remember. Um, apparently, Kalona said to him that the red one needs to be captured because she's powerful. Oh. There we go. Yep, yep, yep. It's giving the Lion King number two, you know, Kovu yes. Kiara vibes. Yeah, love so it. true. Yeah. I love enemies to lovers like this. Ugh. That might just be it before we start talking about Venice. Because Venice is a fun trip. Fun trip, fun time. Also, I think Karishma has like a poem that kind of relates to this as well, maybe, which also helps where they are. Or it really just helps with defeating of Kelowna. Either way, Karishma is only there because of her poetry. Yeah, I don't care about visions. poems. <laughs> <laughs> it 
it's too English literature, and I always try and figure it out, but, like, I know I should. <laughs> yeah, whenever there's, like, riddles or stuff, I'm just like, ooh, I know what this is, and then I'm just like, I am a dumb person. <laughs> <laughs> this poem just called me stupid. Yeah. All right, so they're at the right, Vampire High Council. Um, Lenobia has a friend that kind of leads them. I forget what her name is. Oh, but first of all, they're only allowed in because Stark is related to someone. No, not in this one. Not in this one? No. I'm there an idiot. Are, they, Lenobia has a friend there who's also kind of like a, like a, like has an affinity to horses and all that type of stuff. Oh, uh, yeah, like no, I, I forget. Yep, yeah, no, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Her name is like <laughs> Ursi or something like that. E-C-R-E or something. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm just going to call it Ursi. I don't care. Um... And, like, like they've requested an audience due to Zoe having all these affinities and because she's the chosen one and she's special. She's allowed these sort of privileges, right? Yeah. But there are kind of – there are set rules. Um, Heath is not allowed to speak or kind of be acknowledged by the council because he's human despite being Zoe's consort, but he's allowed in the room. Same kind of with Aphrodite, although she runs her mouth a little bit later on yeah. because she does declare she's, like – a visionary prophetess type person so she kind of is allowed to be acknowledged when she when she is acknowledged it's pretty much don't speak unless spoken to and obviously darius being the son of a rebus warrior he highly respects you know the rules and procedures so he's like also that voice of calm and being like look you guys just gotta follow the rules please yeah please please please. (laughs) and and stark is just like the warrior who is allowed by right to be with zoe in this time as well so they're all relatively welcome in this chamber, but yes, yeah, some are allowed to speak, some are not. Kelowna and Nefra are there, funnily, not funnily enough, because we knew that they were there, because of Twitter. Thank you, Twitter. Thanks for Shout that. out. <laughs> trending Kelowna, trending topic. Oh, so I can't, I can't. <laughs> it's, so, it's so silly. Anyway, how else are they going to drive the plot forward, Kenzie? This is true. There's no other way for them to do that. So Nefret is trying to convince the High Council, which is made up of seven, six now, High Priestesses, because Shekinah is killed. I think Shekinah was part of this High Council. Yeah, she was. That's why she came. And so Nefret is like, I am the, I'm next reincarnate. This is Erebus reincarnate. And you would think that if Nyx and Erebus were reincarnated, that there'd be some sort of like talisman or something that would alert the Council, yeah, and identify them. Yeah, like, like otherwise it's just taking your word for it. Yeah, surely anyone can just walk around and be like, "La di da, I'm Nix." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I didn't really think about that too deeply, just because I didn't want to, because I knew it would annoy me. Oh well, I but... did. <laughs> but yeah, I get that. Like, surely, like there would be a sense or a feeling, because you mm. know everyone's gifted with Nix. If you were fully present in front of like a full Nix reincarnate, surely you would feel or sense something. Yes. But they're just like you maybe have a point it may be true <laughs> but they don't fully deny it but they don't like some of them outright believe it but some of them are a bit on the fence but yeah and then i think they're just trying to convince the council to um convert back to the old vampiric ways of ruling yeah which i think is more like them having a higher superiority over the humans all that type of stuff and obviously the council like is like in consideration of all this but it's like, you've had, like, this balance for, like, centuries now. It's like, why change it now? Yeah. If everything's been, like, peaceful and fine. But I suppose in terms of this House of Night, you know, shoot, like, vampires are being killed and humans are being killed. Like, it's not really, I guess, ideal world. But yeah, some of the council members, priestesses, are, like, buying it. And then Zoe gets a chance to speak. But she's not kind of... Because she's still kind of enamoured by Kelowna and her reincarnation ties with him and all that type of stuff she kind of doesn't outright you know deny Kelowna as like Mm. a consort because of that whole truth layering thing yeah which causes a bit of stress because you know because it just gives that air of um there's no what am I trying to say she's like not reliable yeah, yeah, in that type of way. Yeah, um, because they're like, oh, you've come to defeat him, but also, like, you might be in love with him. But, yeah, but also what you say about him is true. It's kind of like what kind of Nerefit is saying about him as well. And it's like, yeah, like, 
Yeah, but then Kelowna says something, yeah, that Zoe is reliable. I forget in what sort of context, but, like, yeah. It's not an outright, you're lying, you know, there's two sides, pick a pick a side. Yeah. It, there's, like, a shadow of doubt of to what's true and what's not true. Yeah. Which is frustrating, but that builds a bit of tension because, you know, are they able to convince the council? But then, as we just said, like, surely if there was a legit reincarnation of a goddess... And if you were gifted from that goddess, you would sense something. Yeah. And that's what I think, yeah, exactly. There should be some sort of something, yeah, that identifies them as these people. Because otherwise then it's just, like, too easy to just take your word for it, take over the council, rule the world. Like, yeah. it's just too easy. Kill all humans. But um, then it brings me, this brings me back to, like, the either first or second book, I don't remember, where Zoe tells Nefret, like, I don't care if no one believes me because Nyx believes me. It gives me that sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah. Nyx is going to do fuck all with this high vampire council because they're the ones in charge. Anyway. And I think there is some, like, coercion in how the story of how Shekinah was killed as well. Perhaps they would... Yes. Nefret would have described it as in battle and all that type of stuff. So, also, while they're all talking and the council's pretty much just like, okay, well, we need time to think. Y'all can stay here um, together. (laughs) Yes, yes. And it's like, why would you want, like... To stay with Kelowna and Neferit, like... Yeah, I know, but, like, I suppose they're trying to save face. They're not going to do anything... Sh- yeah. Well, say that now, they're not going to try and do anything stupid because in the presence <laughs> of, like, the High Council, yeah, but we know what happens. Yes. Like, they're trying to save a bit of face, you know, bring... Uh, keep up that mask and yeah. persona of Nyx and Erebus. I don't know, yeah, they kind of, like, uh, adjourn for the day. <laughs> Um, I think Aphrodite has a bit of an outburst and everyone's taken aback because <gasps> the rules, but oh well, it doesn't matter. Because um, they're all trying to, you know, defend Zoe and, you know, try and com- convince them that, like, Nefret and Nicolina are lying and they did XYZ, but then the council's like, fuck no kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fuck them kids. <laughs> so yeah, they kind of adjourn for the day. I don't know, Kalina and that are out and about. I think Heath and Zoe must have had a chat and Heath has gone out and about. He, uh, he is... Kelowna, or over here's Kelowna and Nefret talking. I really kind of forget about what is something to do with Zoe. I think maybe it's how Kelowna could convince Zoe to be on their side in order to then kill her or like use her until she, yeah, kind of turns again and they kind of kill her. So then Heath, being a tough jock, dumb jock that he is, tries to confront Kelowna. And then Kelowna uh, snaps Heath's neck. Bye bye. Mm hmm. And then Zoe feels something because of the imprint and so she runs to their location and she invokes the power of spirit, spirit. And, and she like it, explodes attacks, with it yeah attacks Kelowna um so he's quite yes he got struck pretty badly and then Zoe is just kind of like catatonic she yeah kind of she's essentially dead <laughs> essentially dead but it's described but as her, her spirit soul shattered yeah yes and we learn, I guess, at the beginning of the next book, the same thing kind of happened to Kelowna, but that's just because Zoe shattered his spirit as well. With the, with, her, the, with her, yeah, when she blasted him. Yeah. And due to the imprint with Heath, you know, Heath dying is like the worst possible like heartbreak she could ever feel. And like pain. And pain. So like that then, yeah, causes her soul to shatter. And that's an epic plot twist, eh? Yep, and Zoe that's the end. That's a cliffhanger. <laughs> I honestly didn't see that coming, though. I didn't see Heath dying coming. Neither. I thought that, like, either they would, it would be, like, an endgame thing, like, he would always just be her consort, or that she would choose, like, Stark in the end, and they would intentionally, well, or, like, intentionally slash unintentionally break it, and Zoe would imprint on Stark, and she'd have to, like, force Heath to leave be like you can like you can't anymore it's not good for either of us yeah I just didn't think I suppose it gets to a point now with Heath he's in this is he's in vampires world like he is as vulnerable as a human can get surrounded by all these like beings and entities yeah I kind of had a feeling like it was always gonna be a rough place for him and like a place that he doesn't understand even though kind of everyone else the group the rest of the group doesn't really understand either because again they're just fledglings they don't know any of this bullshit yes like, it's definitely not a safe place for him. And, yeah, I didn't expect Kelowna to just, like, grab his head I didn't expect Kelowna to kill Heath because I thought yeah. that he would, yeah, understand what Heath was to Zoe. And because I thought that they couldn't really hurt each other. Mm. And this is 
probably that like i guess the act of war now between yeah. zoe and kelowna this is probably what ultimately will convince zoe that yet yeah, kelowna is fucking evil like whatever he's tried to convince her about him being good and truthful it's thrown out the window now yeah but yeah damn but like two birds th- well three birds with one stone as well because we got yeah zoe quote-unquote dead kelowna quote-unquote dead heath quote-unquote dead well i think i guess he's dead dead but yeah <laughs> But yeah, like damn, like after yeah six books now of like relatively low stakes, now three of them, like that's very bold. Yes, we are dropping characters like no tomorrow, but we are also introducing characters like no tomorrow. So yeah, we're, like we're, we're keeping <laughs> yeah. keeping up. Yes, yeah. but yeah, no, I think ultimately this book, I suppose I get take away the shitty revelation of Twitter found out where Kalona was. Yeah, <laughs> but then how did like other people know who Kelowna is as a being. I guess, like, it was vampire Twitter. <laughs> oh, uh, Alright, but uh, that wasn't really specified, but okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> vampire um, Twitter. Yeah, I mean, it's a book. And in terms of where this is in the plot, I uh, this would have been great for book four. Right, yeah. yeah. As yeah. you said, like, other books could have been condensed into one. Yeah. Because, again... Conflict resolved, conflict resolved, conflict resolved. And, like, I guess this one, it's not, like, conflict resolved because Heath's dead. But it is, like, that's the main, I guess, conflict. Yeah, it's more like a lot of moving around, not a lot of action, action. Although, again, Stevie Ray's chapters are very intriguing because it offers a different perspective and a different layer. Yeah, and again, is it, like, will they or won't they with Heath and Stark? Uh, Heath and Stark, with Zoe and Stark. And I suppose as a warrior, like, Stark would have felt something as well, felt a bit of pain. Yeah. And anguish because yeah, like his his queen or his priestess, high priestess has died. Yeah. Also, just real quick, as as I remember, I think Aphrodite had a chapter, and she was just with Darius, and I think they proclaimed they loved each other. Yeah, that was cute. That was, that cute. was a fun movement. Yeah. And I think he did his like warrior's oath to her. Like it's not the <gasps> yeah, same, that's but right. yeah. But it may as well be because she's like yeah, half human, I guess. Yeah. Now. And very unusual. But yeah, Darius is the real MVP. He's yeah. a gentleman. I yeah. love him. He's my favorite character. Yeah. But I'm glad we're able to switch it around. Like, we're ending it on that instead of, like, Heath dying <laughs> or them dying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I... Yeah, when I finished it, I was looking forward to the next book to see, like, how how they're going to progress now. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, Zoe, Heath, and Kaluna are in the other world. Yes. Nyx's realm. Nyx's death realm. realm. Yeah. Well, it's not death realm. It's just limbo. Like a spirit... Oh, I suppose spirit limbo. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see where that goes. Yes. And I guess that's it, unless there's anything else. No other qualms you want to I don't think so. Just, I just lost it at, like, Twitter told me. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, thanks for listening, as always. Um, join us next week for Burnt, the seventh book. Very exciting. Um, yeah. How do they get out of this mess now? Is Zoe dying? Yeah. Or being dead? I just hang on. I think I've just realised something. You can say it now, and if it's relevant, we keep no, it. And if not, no. oh, so I think that we've done. Oh yeah, we're doing four, eight, twelve. Yeah. Yeah, four, eight. 12. Yeah, that's right. Because I was just like, hang on. Okay, no, no, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. It's okay. good. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Join us for Burned next week. As always, find us at Letterbox Book Club. If you find us in one place, you'll find us in all the places. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, just to clarify, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Apple yeah. Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thank you. See you next week. Thanks. Bye. bye.